Welcome to episode two of Please Rewind, hosted by Steve Dunk and Jeremy Dove. This is the podcast where we review classic movies chosen by you. So let's get started. Here's Steve. Hey, Jer. Hi, Jer, everybody. Got my uh, zero sugar Dr. Pepper here. Nice. Yep. Old school. I'm um, rocking the Coke Zero as always. Nice. I know you, I didn't have to tell you that. No, I knew that. Um, yeah, it's. I'd like. I'm. A, I would. I would. I would love to talk a little quickly about uh, some of the box office shenanigans that are going on right now. You know but that, that's great. Why not? Well, I. I just. I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, the untimely passing of Sinead O'Connor. Oh, of course. Um, I was a huge. I had a huge crush. To this day, like a shaved head on a woman to me is is like the chef's kiss. Um, anytime, especially you know, and there's some all time great ones in movies, right? To me, more mm-hmm. Charlie's mm-hmm. Theron. Um, Portman, of course, for V for Vendetta. You know, famously, the slapping was brought on by a beautiful um, shaved-headed woman <laughs> and a joke about her hair right. um, at the Oscars. That's right. That's right. Uh, now, her head wasn't shaved, of course. She had, yeah. uh, uh, what was it, alopecia, right, or whatever it's called, but... Um, um, what, whatever that thing, whatever that thing is that uh, that that people do experience, and it is awful. Um, never, nevertheless, uh, in that situation, I'm I'm I was team team rock, but uh, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I think most most reasonable people. Are team I am enjoying that he that that Will Smith's career is is pretty much not come back yet at all. I'm I'm looking for. I hope that that he makes a new Bad Boys movies and, and a movie that actually bombs. I admit to having uh, a negative um, view of people who are in Scientology. Right. Me too. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And and then and then and then and then also extremely devout, uh, you know, actual religions um, like Wahlberg and of course Mel Gibson who's just fucking crazy and um, like I don't care if somebody's religious but I right. mean like the people that take it to a whole other level right yeah. like take it to the extreme so but yeah I definitely I definitely admit to like souring it souring my taste on certain people when it comes to stuff like that but uh, for sure me too but even even like you take that out of the picture you know what he did at the Oscars like that's enough for me to just say okay I'm done with you like yeah like you don't you don't hijack a cultural moment for your own ego like that and then get up and make a speech <laughs> afterwards and like and like act like it was a great night for everyone like I, I, I will yeah. never I will never look at him as a decent person again after, after no and that's also an that's that's a pretty easy you know thing walk away for me too because I actually even just saying you're thinking now like I don't I can't even think of a Will Smith movie movie that I really like like I I Oh, I, yeah, good question. Is there one that I like? I can't think of one right now off the top of my head. I didn't like Ali. Like I'm trying to think of ones yeah. that he had no, notoriety for, right? Um I didn't um, I didn't particularly care for the the reason he was even at the Oscars when he played the uh, Williams father. Right. I didn't wasn't crazy about that. I'm not yeah. a pursuit of happiness guy. Nope. Of course, I don't like the Bad Boys. I don't like Independence Day. Me neither. Me neither. Um uh, like what else is there? What um, do I like? I know, right? Like I, like, I, I like his first two rounds. Obviously, albums. fucking like this wasn't his fault, but I am Legend was terrible. Um, yes, it was terrible. Uh, what's iRobot? iRobot uh, was awful. Was awful. And he he turned um, down the Matrix, which, by the way, nobody has forced you to watch yet. But <laughs> um, like that—that that is such a great fucking movie. And if he had starred in that, who knows? It might have sucked. 
Yeah. Well, there's plenty of examples of that. I mean, imagine uh, they hadn't fired Eric Stoltz. Imagine they hadn't fired Tom yeah. Selleck. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, like there's yeah. famous things in history. Maybe yeah. that could be a good, good episode. Uh, oh, f- a good theme one day. But um, yeah, that's well, that's listen, there's that that comes up. That's uh, going to come up almost every film, right? When you do the research, you usually end up finding the people who are in it weren't the first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, to play mm-hmm. those to, to play those parts, right? So right. it's very rare when um, a part is written for uh, an actor specifically, and they end up getting that part. Uh, it's when the, if the stars align, it doesn't always work didn't, that way. Didn't but... Tom Cruise famously turn down Iron Man before Rob Downey Jr. was cast? I don't remember hearing that, but I I do know that yeah, Downey wasn't like the first choice. But I don't remember who turned. I don't remember hearing who turned it down, but. Um, yeah, there's like uh, Hollywood his, his film history is full of stuff like that. But oh, yeah. um, and uh, it usually it's very rare when when you hear it where it, yeah maybe well I mean I know you love the Matrix um, I, I I can't think of an example where like at hearing who almost had the part where I'm like oh I wish it had gone to them right. I, I feel. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I wish we. I wish we could see the Eric Stoltz Back to the Future. I do. Well, you've uh, seen the clips though, right? Yep, I've seen yeah. the clips. Yeah, um, but like, I, just yeah. If anyone doesn't know, Eric, they actually started production with Eric Stoltz in the lead role before they got Michael J. Fox, and he filmed I don't know, what like a quarter of the film or something. I, it wasn't very much, but it was. I thought it was. I thought it was. Th- I thought it was two thirds. I thought it was. Was it that much? Film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, those scenes you can find online. Um. There's there's definitely a difference. Like you could see the difference. Um. Now that's these, of course, aren't fully edited scenes, and they're and they're out of context. If it was a slightly darker, more somber movie, might it have been a like slightly better movie? Even like I know it's one of the best movies of all time, and it's like a heresy to say that maybe it should have been slightly different. Uh, but but like what 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 if man? I wonder. I do. <laughs> well, the thing about Back to the Future is that it is the type of film. Um, you you could have gone dark with it. Yeah. Um, right. For sure. So, I mean, they, they, but they purposely chose to go the other way, but um, you know, I, I just, I mean, it's tough to argue with the results in that specific example, obviously, because uh, it's of course, oh, you know, one of the, the best scripts of all time and, yep. and, and uh, one of the greatest, greatest time travel movie of all time, one of the greatest films of all time, yada, yada, yada. And Michael J. Fox is, is uh, lights out in that film. So yeah, pretty tough to to argue with that decision, but to 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 film that much and and have the guts for Zemeckis to to and the studio support, um, because they had to reshoot all those scenes with, yeah. with so they had to bring those characters back, like the yeah. the supporting cast, to come back and reshoot those scenes with Michael J. Fox. Like it's that's that's crazy. And I highly tell, recommend um, in interviews that some of them like regret it, like some of them are were mad about it and uh, and think. Well, the what's better. her name? Um, uh, the uh. Uh, the girl, uh, Leah, Leah Thompson, Leah the Thompson? mom, yeah, the, the mom, her and Eric Stoltz were really, were like best friends. She yeah. was, there's interviews with her where she was like, she was very upset about it. I would um, imagine Eric Stoltz and Crispin Glover, like, w- w- like had a chemistry, uh, greater than, you know, Crispin Glover would have with a Michael J. Fox. Right. Uh, uh, even, uh, Doc Brown, Doc Brown, Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Is that his no, name? no um, um, oh my God, Lloyd. Oh my God. Yeah, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. Christopher um, Plummer. Plummer would be great in that part. When Christopher Lloyd talks about uh, Eric Stoltz, you could tell it's with fondness and love uh, in his voice. Yeah, about. it wasn't. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of documentaries. There's, there's a couple of really good documentaries out there. And there's a great book um, about the making of and behind the scenes. I've got it on my shelf here somewhere. I don't see it. But um, mm. um, 
it's fant it's it, to me it's on par with the jaws log which is another famous behind the scenes book which right. um it talks about that where yeah no it wasn't it wasn't because nobody didn't like eric stoltz it just you know Zeme zemeckis would watch the dailies and it just wasn't what he envisioned right, right? right. so it's uh he, he, his vision that's right he had to make yeah. a call and 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 not just him but uh gail the, the writer the co-writer so anyways but yeah anyways, it's um, um lots of lots of uh lots of stuff there to dig into for sure but maybe a theme for another day but um Sure. Anyways, it's, this started with uh, us resting Sinead O'Connor, resting in peace in Sinead O'Connor. So yeah. rest in peace, Sinead. I, I had a huge crush on her. I, I think her her impact on music is 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 uh, obvious. Um, she was way ahead of her time, destroying the Pope and and the <laughs> accusing the Catholic Church of wrongdoings. And yeah. you know, we yeah. are the generation who saw that live on Saturday Night Live. Yep. And and we will never forget that moment. That was a watershed moment for us culturally. And she paid for it. Oh. She suffered for it for the rest yeah. of her life. Yeah, like it really did ruin her career. I mean, she yeah. was the biggest, arguably the biggest star in the world at the time, and then um, that was it. So, anyways, yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Sinead. I'm a big fan, and that's 56. Like, fuck, Jer, we're like, yeah. we're not much younger. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, but she she was so troubled. She um, had a lot of. I don't. They haven't released the cause, but I mean, we can there, probably. There were. It out. I think there were many times in the past, like couple decades, where people thought this might ha be happening like i think that you know um she she coped with um a, a, like her struggles for yeah a long, long, no long they were she was out with it yeah and she yeah. said several public so, public um, things but it's, it's tragic it is it is so tragic um well let's go to another let, let's transition to another dead famous rock pop star uh you mean uh the great sir bowie yes uh, david um, so so uh the, we didn't even talk about what we're going to talk about tonight um but so we could tee it up a little bit and the two movies that 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 you chose for us to review uh today are labyrinth and big trouble in little china we're gonna talk about labyrinth first both these movies from 1986 like what what a year like like it, did all the stars align in the universe in 1986 for cinema to just have like this just, oh, that's I don't, know, I don't know what it was, but like, well, 86 actually, the year 1986 is going to be the uh, subject of my next plus episode, so and uh, that was uh, yeah, or, to that. Or, or and congratulations the, by the way on your first episode of plus. Thank you, uh, it, was great, it was great to, to hear you talking to Christy, and uh, and uh, you know what, also, uh, not not to brag, but um, congratulations on all the work that you've done. I'm really only along for the ride. You've done everything. This this whole this whole puppy, this whole truck, this whole train that we're riding on is all you. You're the conductor here. Um, and and we're doing we're doing well. We're charting on on iTunes uh, podcasts for like after one episode, um, uh, which is amazing. Um, so uh, I feel very lucky to be here. It's awesome. Um, and fun. Um, so uh, labyrinth. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's go. Labyrinth. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Um, this is from somebody you're very familiar with, uh, Melinda Dove. Mm -hmm. um, thank you, Mel, for this suggestion. Uh, not a surprise if you know Mel at all. Um, Labyrinth was released June 27th, 1986, directed by Jim, Hen the famous Jim Henson, screenplay by Terry Jones, if the name is familiar. He's part of the Monty Python crowd. Um, and the story was by Jim Henson as well. Um, this was executive executive produced by George Lucas because this was a Lucasfilm limited um, production. 
Uh, it starred, of course, David Bowie, um, another wonderful rock pop star from our time who is deceased. Uh, Jennifer, a very young Jennifer Connelly, um, and a whole bunch of puppeteers and voices and, and all different types of people. Because it's a Lucasfilm project, you know, along for the ride, Frank Oz, um, Kenny Baker, Warwick, da- uh, Warwick Davis, all had parts uh, for for the little folks uh, in this film. So and, and it was because the Lucasfilm was involved, they they like to you know stick with the familiar. Um, it had a, it made thirty four million dollars on a budget of twenty five, so it didn't make a ton of money. One of the things that this film actually is going to have in common with the other film we talk about is that it didn't it didn't garner a lot of critical acclaim or buzz when it came out, and it be, but it really found its uh, audience when it on. VHS and then DVD releases later on. It became a cult film well after the fact of its original release. But For sure. um, a bit of trivia. This was actually Jim Henson's uh, May He Rest in Peace, that talented man. His last uh, directorial effort. His last one. Yep. That's fascinating. I have, yep. Because throughout this, throughout my review, so many thoughts about Jim Henson because yes. his, his personal touch is just on every everything in this, right? Um, but I don't want to derail you. Um, no, let's, that's, 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 so that's, I mean, that's Labyrinth. That's the thing I don't know that you mentioned that I noticed in the credits was that, um, not only does this star David Bowie, but he actually wrote the music. Yes. Oh, no, his soundtrack is his. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, is, which is important, I think. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And actually it's, and that's another, another, these two films, I mean, as different as they are, have so many things in common. It's wild, and, we'll, and that's actually one of them. We'll talk. Uh, we'll mention the music thing uh, when we get to the other film. But all right, um, yeah, Labyrinth. Uh, uh, yeah, David Bowie has very much uh, all in on this film, and that's of course one of the reasons why he was chosen um, to play the Goblin King. So, so, so yeah. like, I, I just I think about the like the, the epic the bannerhead on this on this damn thing, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, Jim Henson is one of the greatest creators of our generation. George Lucas, obviously, is a, is also. Uh, David Bowie is also. All these guys are so personally staked in this film. Um, no, there's pedigree with this film. Um, yeah, yeah, huge. Massive. Yeah, for, yeah, for that time too. I mean, it's yeah. it's the timing of this release is is. is is insane it's coming of course lucas you know you know anything george lucas at this point still was still hot on the heels of uh star wars you know return of the jedi was only three years before um but this was the follow-up uh, to a dark crystal um which you know did well um so you know and jim henson like and, and of course this is pre-cgi pre all that stuff so mm-hmm. you know animatronics puppeteering you know, it was it was uh, it was a thing at the time, and mm-hmm. um, but like the Dark Crystal, this you know to do a major studio film um, like this with this many puppets and so forth, um, unique made it unique at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 you see, it is a unique amalgamation of of styles, um, specifically the Henson style and. And and I think the Lucasfilm style, even though they work hand in hand um, many times previous to this, um, uh, this is Jim Henson at the wheel with with like Lucas helping out this time. So um, I, I, there are many times in this movie, uh, you know, having young kids, um, when 
I feel like I'm watching Sesame Street. Yeah. Uh, just because yeah. of the 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 staging um and the direction uh, uh the dialogue, the costuming. Um it's it's just Jim Henson's style that I'm so used to seeing. Um that um it feels very familiar and very like like Muppets or Sesame Street to me, um, which at times uh kind of pulled me out of it a little bit almost. But um it was a cool like like mashup of styles and then, then there are parts parts of this movie that that just um david boy just starts singing and dancing and it's and it just turns into like a, a music video yeah uh, with no connection to the plot right <laughs> and right. it's so muppets it's so the muppet show right because he's got dancing muppets around him the whole time um but, um so, so like to sort of lean in what you were saying there um uh, this it is this this film is weird because it's very much a transitional time in Hollywood in filmmaking. Yeah. And one of the and one of the things that kind of throws you off right away and what a lot of people might not know this fact. So the uh, the CGI owl in the credits, uh, this is the first this movie gets credited with the first CGI animal. Yeah, I just Ren- want to talk about the owl render in Hollywood. So yeah. the owl is is the, the the Goblin King is what David Bowie can turn into. It's sort of it's their take on you know Dracula the Bat, David Bo- you know Goblin King the owl. Yeah. Um, but just to your point, what you're talking about there a few minutes ago, it's the reason it, it feels the way it feels is because for a film that should have a ton of atmosphere, it has none, and it really. But that's you know that's because it's it's blocky and stagey. And you can literally hear like there's no uh, there's no ethereal quality to it. There's right. no atmosphere. It's not like legend. It's not like there you like you can right. you, you can hear them. You can hear this like the the hollowness of the stage they're on. You can hear yeah. like they're in a box sometimes. Um, when you say in a box, I want to put this point in. Um, I felt like I was watching like a Disney Plus show that was filmed on the volume. It's the and I think one of the reasons that same the, one of the reasons is because. Um, because I think I don't know this to be true at all. I feel like because they really wanted to focus on David Bowie's songs and his and his the, like you said those sequences where he's singing, there's very little background music in this film. There's moments where there's no music at all, long stretches, yep. and it's just actors walking and acting and doing all that stuff. So that really makes it feel like stagey yeah not a film it feels right. like a stage production like that stage someone's production. recording with a yes. cam with a handy cam rather than yes. a hollywood production so it in that sense it just feels like you know you look at and i think it's just of the time i really but at the same time you watch like the dark crystal which was only a couple years earlier and then the same people exact same people involved in making it it feels totally different yeah totally different yeah so I wonder if it's the green screen effect that we have today. Remember when that started and people, actors had a really hard time acting on green screens. Remember Liam Neeson yeah. was famous for complaining about it. And I, and I wonder that, you know, the biggest difference between Dark Crystal and Labyrinth is, of course, this has human characters in it acting against um, animatronics and, and, you know, little people in suits yeah. and, and different things like this. So I would, you know, equi- I would equate that to acting in front of a green screen in the sense that, like, there's you're not you're not getting anything back there's you're not there's no return sure and i wonder if and there's so you can tell there's moments of Connolly where she's just reacting to things going on around her but it just feels like she's the only person in the room yeah 
exactly exactly um and uh i think what, what you're describing is um uh like a guest star in a muppet sketch <laughs> yeah 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 you're right yep. yeah yeah um uh, but but uh, but I don't want to say that you can't connect to the characters in this uh, or the story in this uh, at the same time uh, because because you can. Um, it helps if you're younger. You know, I think this is definitely made for a younger crowd. Um, and it's geared to be a, a fantasy for for younger for younger people, uh, maybe around twelve years old, maybe not super young. Um, and, well, I, well, uh, this I, well this I think the story is sound. Um, yeah. right. Like it's, listen, it's a, yeah. it's a fairy tale, Alice in Wonderland, but grim, it's a grim Alice in Wonderland. Um, right. it, you know, it, playing into childhood dreams and nightmares, which we all experience when we're kids to some, because we're, you know, afraid of everything because we don't understand yeah. it because we're, we're idiots, right? We're kids. Um, we don't understand the way the world works at that point. Um, so, it, but in, in that sense, it's, it's a classic fairy tale for sure. Just a, but a, but a grim, but a brother's grim version on, like I said, Alice in Wonderland. Um, what, I kind of feel like it needed I kept thinking it needs a narrator. Like and I don't like the Princess Bride. Yeah, I was gonna say the Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like it needed someone to to uh yeah, like a different somebody telling us like about Jennifer like, Conley, about yeah, Sarah, about like, about like, Sarah rather than Sarah yeah. was a 13-year-old girl with the heart yeah. of a dreamer. Yeah. Who, who, yeah, you know, yeah, was always daydreaming about being far away and living adventures, and you know. And I think yeah. that would have helped fill in some of those, like I said, lapses where there's no music and it's kind of just like dragging. And and I wonder if that would have been wonderful moments for an interlude or you yeah. know something like that. Instead, but... they went with kind of a like a, I felt like it was a sad like it was very uh, very typical eighties beginning of this movie where you showed like the kid playing in their environment or you show the main protagonist of anything of anything in their environment and then you and then you have a dialogueless uh stretch over the opening music where they're just like running through their neighborhood um to like to like show like where they're from uh directly but then like she like she comes home to her stepmom and like it's all very sad and mean and dark and uh and, and then she's very sad and mean and dark to the baby um and, and yeah it doesn't have that like fairy tale like feel at the beginning it has kind of a very downer feel at the beginning and you don't really like sarah i don't i didn't really like sarah uh at the beginning of this movie just because of the way she behaves and the way she treats the baby um and uh you know you get you get the impression really quickly that none of this is real that this is all some kind of fantasy she's living out some kind of dream she's having um because it you know it involves like like visually uh like this story is told really well by the way um like um the opening scene of her bedroom is full of all of the characters from this film right and that's how you know that all of this is a dream like allison in wonderland like every character in this film is visually represented in her room at the beginning of this movie mm -hmm. um it's a it's a trick that uh, toy story uh used um later on i think <laughs> uh, a little bit um but it's it's very very cool uh, as you're watching this movie and, and you connect the elements, um, you know, from her room uh, to the characters in the movie. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff like that in this. It's 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 a cleverly told story, even though you know I I do have a lot of uh, negative things to say about you know the production, the staging, uh, uh, even the music. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I love David Bowie, um, but the music, but his music in this era 
was i don't know kind of reaching and uh i don't know if it was quite getting there um and and it kind of wasn't always like I, it didn't serve the plot uh you know it was like thematically connected sure but it but it but the song itself he was just trying to write a hit song not yeah not right something that not something that served the plot well it's like he wrote the music without reading the script yeah yeah yeah, like he knew the broad strokes uh, of what it was about, and 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 yeah, that was all maybe. Um, and I, and I it, don't. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was just gonna say, like her, like you, like we, you know, before we get too far away from the point you made about her at the beginning and stuff like this, it yeah. very much reminded me of where the wild things are. Yes, um, and and that book appears in the opening scene as well that's, in her bedroom. Yeah, so it's like it's you know not by accident. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like you know, in, you know that boy was you know kind of a pain in the ass misunderstood uh not sure, not point. not right. not likable you yeah. know necessarily who's whisked off to true. to a fantasy land and uh, yeah true it's the point um, it's, a, it's a feature not a buck right you're right um, um go ahead but yeah it's yeah it starts strange i mean it, she's in the she's practicing shakespeare or whatever in the park by herself um just to sort of like let us know that she's uh it's like a, if I felt like it was like a D&D role playing thing she was doing. Great. Right. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's like I said, it, it, it just really it. And then like even when she arrives in, in the, the Orc Kingdom or whatever in the Labyrinth, I mean, the, the first goblin. time the Goblin King and Goblin Kingdom or whatever. Yeah. Like the first time we see Hoggle, he's like he's taking a piss. Yeah. <laughs> like there's all kinds yeah. of illicit <laughs> adult shit inserted yeah. everywhere. In right. There. Right. Like 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 in the in the scene where she's drugged by Hoggle. Um right. Uh, she's 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 taken to an orgy. She's 13. Right. And yeah. David David Bowie's clearly clearly trying to seduce her. And he's like probably pushing 50, but when, when they shot this, I don't know. Maybe he's pushing 40. I don't know. Um, but um like he's clearly trying to seduce her at this orgy. Um and uh and it's you know it's 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 handled very foggily and very you know non-specifically um so that everything is implied rather than than overtly stated the way right. i just did well there well there's also but now though i mean i don't i'm not accusing you of this necessarily but there's also sure. this like holistic post hoc thing with david bowie now where stories have come out from him over the years He's how inappropriate he's been with teenage young teenage girls. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah, and and there's like there's actually you know there's this really creepy interview with Bowie talking about Conley. Um, oh. Yeah, and like again, it, it's you know in context or out of context, but it sort of reminded me of like it struck me as slightly inappropriate. Yeah. Um, the yeah. the language he was doing to describe her, it almost remind. I hate to say this because I mean they are they are not the same person at all, but it reminded me of like Trump the way he talks about his fucking daughter, right? Okay. Like yeah. like creepily in a way. Yeah. Um, and not to, and I'm not suggesting boy was inappropriate at all with with, with sure. Jennifer. I'm not, ex but there's an interview out there. It's kind of weird. Um, but what happened was I found that like uh you know and then people are you know people folks Melinda might disagree with me, but. You know, there is the scene at the ballroom masquerade scene and where it clearly goes from, you know, looks like he he does. He doesn't care about the brother now. He wants her. Right. And and I kept thinking. 
they should have, I feel like at that point, I'm like, geez, you know, I don't, I think he was miscast. I feel like, I feel like it should have been somebody more handsome, somebody more tempting to her. Right. But this is, this is that, this is what I think about Jim Henson. Jim Henson thought Bowie was hot. Right. Like Jim Henson thought, oh, girls are going to melt when they see his cod piece. His fucking cod piece was so dominant in, in every shot he was in and that's not a, that's not an accident that's jim henson's choice yeah and look i i no problem with jim henson being i don't know if he was gay but uh no like, he's, well he was well i like, mean not he wasn't it, he was married with kids but nothing okay. that, that, um, that matters you can be, i, I you felt can be like queer. he was lusting after david bowie when he made this movie like right. I, I did like he, david bowie is treated as the sexual object and jennifer Connolly's sexuality is completely repressed and flat like she's she's wearing baggy clothes yeah and 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 completely unsexualized until that one scene at the orgy scene where she's wearing like a ball gown and makeup Right. But still, like not showing anything but shoulders. Like they really, really do not cross the line with with how they depict Jennifer Connelly visually in this film. Yeah. But but they depict Bowie like he's uh, like David Lee Roth right. in right. the same year. Like yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I really felt like uh, he was the sexualization in this more than above anything else. Right. Um. It's kind of creepy the way Ludo is like desperate for Sarah to kiss him too. Like Ludo is like a is like a haggard old man as well. Right. Uh, also in love with Sarah and pursuing her affection the whole time throughout this movie. Um, but like, is this the kind of is this the kind of fantasy that a thirteen year old girl has? Like, like these are fantasy characters to her. And yeah. I that's I totally agree. And that's can sort you of believe the, this? That's right? kind of where I wanted to come back to at the end. Yeah. Like because this movie is about empathy. Yeah. And yes, and we have to remember this is through the lens of a 13 year old girl or or it, it could have been a boy, too. But um, the mind of a prepubescent child. Right. Um. So, yeah, it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be disjointed. It's going to be full of wild and interesting things, both beautiful and ugly. Um. You know, there's it's going to have all those elements and that's very much jim henson who was always accused of having the mind a child's mind right so and and same with uh, jones right who wrote it like the 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 monty python guys i mean like yeah th- there's adult humor for sure but like there, there's a playfulness right there's a silliness yeah. to all their stuff it's very child childlike so you know it's all these are all sort of things so then you when you throw in the david bowie stuff that's the part that doesn't that feels out of place to me yeah it does because i don't think a 13 year old girl would conjure up somebody more handsome more charming right so i and 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 probably like 16 years old instead of (laughs) 46 right 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 (laughs) so yeah so in that sense like it's kind of weird because i kind of feel like even though this movie is known for Bowie and, and he's, you know, the biggest floating head on the poster, which is a great poster, by the way. Um, yeah. uh, Ted Kikonis did that. He is a famous artist. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, I don't know. I wonder if they should have just just had him do the soundtrack and hired uh, uh, whoever else, someone else at the time. I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like if, I said, if, if somebody else just could have written the songs, even if Henson could have written the songs, like it would have fit better right um 
but uh, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I I got the feeling that maybe Bo, maybe Bo got a deal. Like if you come do this, we'll let you do. Oh, the music. I'm sh- yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So this like this is we we talked about this. You know, at the first episode, and we were ta- talking about you know talking about sort of you know what this podcast was going to be about, and this is one of those movies. It didn't age well for me. Mm-hmm. I remember it. I had memories more not loving it but more fond memories of it and uh i didn't like i don't i didn't like this movie this time i don't like it um i think it's kind of a mess um i don't even sometimes when someone a movie becomes a cult movie you sort of understand why because either it was ahead of its time or um right you know or misunderstood i don't see that with this film i don't understand the following behind this film um so if we're gonna rate it, get to the rating part. For me, yep. this is definitely uh, put it. This is not just put back on the shelf. This is toss it the fucking oh, window. Wow. To, oh wow! Where's that sound effect, Jerry? Like where's the toss it out of the window, Jerry? Uh, I'll find one. <laughs> There'll be one. There'll be one. Right? There'll be one. A right window break. You need a window here. breaking. <laughs> you know what? Find the the sound of Kevin Bacon being thrown through the the window in Friday the Thirteenth. That's the sound effect we need. Right okay, I, I I will find that. I will um okay um so so you're a be kind um on this um i i you know what uh i'm on the fence uh but but i think i'm falling on uh, i think i'm gonna fall on please rewind on this because only when i ask when i ask myself the question um will i have occasion to rewatch this again Mm. obviously obviously my wife loves it and i have two young children and um, if there's ever a time when they're interested in watching it, I will be interested to watch it with them and, and see how they react to it. Um, um, and it will be worth my my time, I think. I will. I would enjoy it enough again um, if I revisit like a couple of years down the road. I don't want to yeah. watch it next week. That's yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much. But but I'm going to officially call it a please rewind for me. But 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 I am going to put that asterisk next to it. I was on the fence. I didn't love it. It got slow. It was a slog to get through. Uh, and um, and uh, it, yeah, lots of nostalgia and reasons to love it. Um, I definitely but... prefer Dark Crystal. Like, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, I one thing I can recommend, actually, about Lab- this is one of those films where I enjoyed, because uh, I'm a, I'm a huge process nerd. Um, right. I love the making of films more right. and I love the making of this film more than I actually like the film itself. There's a good, yep. good YouTube thing there on uh, behind the scenes stuff, which is always fascinating for me. So mm-hmm. worth a look if anyone's bothers to do that. <laughs> I will. All right. All there right. You go. Moving on then. That well, this was... is, if, if the first episode was the uh, Dreyfus twofer, this is uh, the hair, ba- hair versus hair. <laughs> and the battle of the summer of 1986 and the battle yes so this movie came out one month later yeah so big trouble in little china i, I think most people on, our, on the message boards will have heard uh, well i'm glad you sang that because that's there's a point yeah. i want to bring up um yes everyone most people know this film release date july 2nd 1986 Directed by John Carpenter, who, of course, uh, again, if you don't know who that is, you're definitely re- listening to the wrong show. But I Get mean, just, just for low hanging fruit, Halloween, um, Escape from New York, the thing that that written by Gary Goldman, and David we- Z. Weinstein. The reason I bring that up is because this film actually went through a 
this was they had a hard time making this film and it was mostly because of the script um starring of course as the famous one of the most famous screen you know protagonists of all time jack bird kurt russell and his beautiful mullet um kim cattrall also who uh again was a bit of a carpenter had to fight for her because she had just come off um uh no um oh shit oh god i'm gonna look this up but uh, whatever it was a couple of things where there was like sort of uh sexy suggestive suggestive roles they didn't think she was appropriate for this film um if you interesting because they used her as like human like yeah if you want to look while I'm talking, if you want to look up King Control, she had done a couple of films previous that uh, made people a little nervous. Anyways, Den- Dennis Doom, James Hong, James Hong as Lopan, and Victor Wong as Egg Shen, um, who is my favorite character in this film. Oh, yeah. but, um, so this was a massive commercial failure. Uh, it only made $11 million at the box office, but it cost somewhere between 19 and $25 million. So, yeah, that was a big hit back in the day. It was, oh, it, it was a commercial, and at the time critical failure um although people have again this is one of the this is another movie that has found its home on uh home viewings and and with successive generations who now absolutely fucking love this movie um a funny bit of trivia here there actually was some comic books released called old man jack and we learned that because he killed lopan he unknowingly inherited dark magic bond with that crazy demon yeti beast that's in the film that was on his truck the pork chop express at the end spoiler alert so he this so because he killed the owner and and has this dark bond now he has imprinted on him so Mm. that in the comics that's actually his sidekick so (laughs) now he's got a now he's got a chewbacca he has a chewbacca yes okay um wonderful wonderful had a chewbacca by the way in labyrinth i didn't mention that but that is true you're right a chewbacca you're right she had a chewbacca too um a very famous poster by um uh, you know i don't even think arguably that the greatest film movie poster artist of all time drew struzan certainly one of my favorites um anyways we were talking about this uh, a few minutes ago but kurt russell was not the first choice uh the role was offered to clint eastwood and jack nicholson I can you fucking imagine I either cannot. one of those two I cannot. people at the time? I cannot. The, the, the studio the was re- rewritten for Kurt Russell. The studio wanted um, somebody more famous at the time. Kurt Russell was coming off his Disney. He was a he was a Disney studio contract studio kid growing up. Who might not know that? So he was mostly known, known, even though he had a couple of dramatic roles. But he was mostly known for. Um, peppier, sort of happier Disney roles, right? Like he, he was like gosh shuck. He gosh shucks. These Got, jokes in these scripts, yeah. in this script, no way Clint Eastwood would have done this script. Like they must have rewrote it for Kurt Russell when they. Why well, also? Well, the Jack Nicholson thing is weird too because this is also a physical role. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, um, so the big thing was originally this film was in a late 1800s western, and every this, people just hated it. Carpenter didn't want to do it. It got rewritten. It got rewrote many, many times. So, so Chinatown like, was in San, was in San Francisco in the 1800s. No, there was no Chinatown. It was just like a. It was going to be like no Kung, it was going to be like Kung Fu, right? Like it was oh. a Western. Yeah, like oh, an 1800s okay. Western. Um, and then it t- turned to San Francisco contemporary for the final I thing, see, and that's I when see. yeah, that's kind of when Carpenter jumped on board because he just didn't want anything to do with the late 1890s Western, right? So right. Anyways, that was so this it, it took a bit of work to get made. And uh, again, like there were some casting issues and it, 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 all this sort of stuff led to 
a troubled experience for Carpenter. Uh, and then, of course, it didn't do well at all. This actually, you know, famously turned him off from studio films for a long time. Like he mm-hmm. went back, he went back to low budget indie stuff after this for a very long time. And that's because of this film. Well, so. it was a pretty bad bomb. That's right. So there you go. Yeah, let's uh, big trouble. Well, you know what? It starts in San Francisco in Chinatown in 1986, and it begins with our favorite character. Um, I uh, love this opening scene with Egg Chen. Egg First Chen. of all, it's hilarious because they tell us the Poor ending of the movie, driver. right? Yes. They tell us the ending of the Half movie. Half a city block <laughs> exploded in green flame. <laughs> and that really Jack, Bur- and Jack Burton lives. Chinese right? black magic, yeah. sorcery. You leave Jack Burton alone. <laughs> leave Jack Burton alone. I love that. Yeah. I love he's the best. They, he, he's so beloved. Well, he's such he's a our, hero. Because he's our, this is a famous trope. He's our reliable narrator. Yes. Egg Chen. This yes. is what Labyrinth needed. Yes. Um, it needed a narrator. Exactly. And we have one in a great one with Egg Chen. This opening love, reminded yeah. me of Princess Bride's opening. Kind of, right? Yep. And I love the lawyer. I don't remember his name. He's a famous character actor. When you see his face, he pops up in films all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, the cynical sinister. Because who would believe that, right? Of course you wouldn't yeah. believe it. Of course you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and Egg Chen's great. And just the idea, this idea that there is comeuppance comeuppance and consequences for this that's one of the things it's a small detail but i loved about ghostbusters especially ghostbusters 2 the city sued them right (laughs) for all the destruction right right because yeah because that like how many times does something happen and nothing happens right right um i love that there's like there's people in saying like okay yeah city blocks were destroyed someone has to pay for this who the who's this Jack Burton person and where is yeah. he? We need to talk to him, right? Yeah. Like this is insane. Like I love that. I thought I thought it, I thought it, it it just it oddly grounds the film right away and yeah. and and just really puts you in a great spot. It's also a classic like pulp novel opening, like you like yeah kind of kind of opening you would see on the Twilight Zone right. or like or you would read about in Reader's Digest or a pulp novel. Um, you know, it gives you a bunch of details about the story it sets everything up for you and it it, it also creates a lot of questions that you want answered um yeah i mean i think like here's the thing about big trouble we'll get into the nuance and the details of what makes for me this movie like special and and and, and fun and all those things but it's scratch away like the fantasy stuff it's like it's classic like unlikely hero wandering it's Kane from kung fu it's Mm-hmm. This is this is you know what I thought this movie was for me, mm-hmm. and I really wish it had done better. And I wish it was it existed in a time when there was sequels because this is Batman Year One for me. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. This it, is it Bat- seemed like an origin story. It yeah, did, it, it, did. it is. It is an yeah. origin story. It's Batman yeah. Begins, right? Like this yeah. is Jack Burton learning to be Jack Burton, and the fact that he travels, he has his truck, so he's got a horse. Yeah. Um. Right. He's gonna go, and he he even says at the end, they'll you know clearly you'll be back. Um, but he's going to go off and go on, get go on more adventures. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah. Um. So he's got a Millennium Falcon and a Chewbacca. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, just it's it's it. This is in every you know ver- definition, every ver- version of the word you want to. This is classic storytelling. Like, yep. it's it's so appealing to me. This film. Um. And every then protagonist on top- is an everyman. Every yeah. everyone is just a, a like walk of life, like people you would bump into in the mall. In the unlikely, airport. the unlikely hero, right? Yeah. yeah, and 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 the ill-equipped, and and I don't bumbling, right? Yeah. Like not, 
yeah, uh, not 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 as great as he thinks he is. Right. Uh, not not as well, and not as prepared as he thinks the op- he is. The, yeah. the opening the opening moment of the final battle of the thing where he shoots up in the air and knocks himself unconscious. Right. Um, at right. The, as at the beginning of the battle, is it, the perfect joke, and the perfect um, uh, like 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 metaphor, like descriptive moment um that for for this character um, yeah you know he he's got these amazing this amazing ability to to pull it out to do the right thing in in the right moment but he's got no coolness no smoothness about him um you know, he's not as cool as he thinks he is as he yeah, thinks yeah, he is yeah. yeah yeah for sure um so this is like yeah like again talk about you know like of all the carpenter films that made more than 10 million to the box office big trouble is last at yeah. 11, at 11 million wow but this was, um, you know, the start of a this. You know, there's a muse here. So Kurt Russell and Carpenter would work together more. Um, Escape from New York, Escape yep. from Escape from L.A., The Thing. Yep. Like they're, you know, they was this before Escape from New York? Uh, because I felt like this was like yeah. No, it's after. after. Escape from New York okay. was 81. Okay. okay. Um, because I felt like Jack Burton was styled to look a lot like Snake Plissken. Right. And... I mean, he's just, I mean, Snake Plissken is like uh, what Jack Burton will probably be like in like 20 years. Sure. When everything falls to, <laughs> goes to shit. When no, or, no, or, no, or not even, not even falls apart necessarily, but he's seen some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight. He's gotten yeah. some. He's gotten injured. He's got an eye patch yeah. now. Um, he's seen some shit. It's like it's like the Batman I want to see, right? Like the Batman who's been through some shit. Yeah. Um, who's been swimming in in sorcery and evil for twenty years? Like that Snake Plissken is just is is a just a a, a, be, a more experienced Jack Burton. Like it, it would be hilarious. But um, but yeah. So they you know they obviously like enjoyed working together. But sure. it um it, it was yeah. I mean, like I said, it was a. Uh, on on besides the classic storytelling i just think it really it just creates such a wonderful like jack burton to me plays this metaphysical he's got this great this great line about you'd have to be a fool to think we're the only ones alone in the universe um like he's he's he's, he's got just like this great m- grasp on metaphysics and he's he's got this uh he has this he comes across as having this like this world this wealth of knowledge this wealth of experience we don't know what because yep. we're because we're meeting him in media res, right? We don't know what he's done before, um, but he but it starts off with him just doling out advice over his CB, right? Yep. <laughs> so like we get the sense that he's been around. It's you know what it's interesting to me um, that you actually let you look at this movie so fondly. Um, I not that I hate it, but um, yeah. but I feel like it's got so many red flags in it for you personally. That, that that you that you would probably dislike this movie like i and 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 this is not a criticism of you at all this is a this is um because i don't dislike it either like i'm not saying oh you know you, you should not like this but um uh like uh you know just simple stuff like the fact that um like his job is to is to deliver pigs <laughs> at the beginning of this that's why, the pork that's chop, why it's called the, the pork, pork chop express, express. Yeah. they show him delivering pigs at the beginning yeah. of this yeah um and i was like oh god steve's not gonna like this movie um and then um like what else well i mean i mean obviously there's like tons of just racism and like like bling, like misogyny like 
like some brutal misogyny um well there's sex like, trafficking throughout this yeah um and but but not like like fine you wouldn't you wouldn't dislike a movie just because it portrays sex trafficking but the fact that it portrays sex trafficking with like big hammy jokes and big fantastical premises laid over them and, and like they talk about civil liberties at one point um and but it's this movie where like should you be trying to insert like really serious like tragic um like real life uh topics like that into it or like i don't know i found it like just dicey and like like um like walking on a knife's edge uh morally a lot of time and that's like sign of the times like this is an r-rated movie in the mid 80s like so like this is the this is this was the trade of the time um this kind of stuff that i'm talking about but um i think okay to that point and yeah i of course considered that um i for me it ends up being um not it's there's it's definitely you know filled to the brim with stereotypes for sure yeah, yeah. um which can be offensive of course uh-huh. um it, this didn't strike me though it, it seemed a little too you didn't hand- think it glorified it I don't think it glorified it, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, I I think there's like they don't apologize for any of it, and I think that's because they felt confident enough that they weren't being offensive, that they weren't glorifying it. And the reason sure. why I think that is because there's actually a lot of like real, actual, like a lot of Chinese history in this film. Yeah, a lot of it. There's okay. a lot of there's a lot of scenes where they're just discussing the culture and the beauty of China. Yep. There's a lot of scenes where they address uh, immigration, where they just yep. dis- uh, like, know, yeah. right, where they discuss yep. um, the plight of of folks having to come to America and how yep. bad a deal they got it um, back way back when even. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also. You know, it makes them it makes it makes them heroes and villains, I think, that culture in a lot of ways. And right. and but I think it gets hammy enough that. I think it feels like they don't believe, and I don't necessarily believe this either, that they are being offensive. I mean, there's a funny line where even Lo Pan is just like, he's talking to, he's talking to Jack Burton about men and women getting along and yeah, like it. Uh, I see you're a man who understands the difficulties. Yeah, of, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women and and how it so often does not work out. Like but we're supposed we to keep trying. Right. Here's a guy who's yeah. thousands of years old. We're supposed to think he's crazy. Um, yeah. he's, but, he's a ghost. But these, but Lopez, this, but, but but Lopez is actually a real. Like this is based on a real. This like this this movie is like there's there's some deep rooted Chinese historical context going right. on in this film, right. and I think it does just enough of that to where you're. I see what you're saying, but to me, it didn't cross. It never crossed a line. Now I'm not Asian. Um, right. If somebody Asian f- finds offense at this, the stereotyping stuff, I f- would never argue with that person. Sure. Um, um, you know, but I think like on the list of films that are offensive from that time period, I don't think this is one of them. Right. Okay. I really, I really don't. And I, as no, far, I think and, that's and, fair. Yeah, and as far as like the pigs and the hogs and the and the, on the animal stuff, well, there's just that's in every film. There's no yeah. escaping animal abuse. I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and and I it it I it makes me uncomfortable. But again, I have. I mean, isn't the point of this? I have to be uh, honest. I, 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 I if we're not going to talk about these films in good faith, then there's no point in doing. Yeah. Show. Um, so I mean, does it make me uncomfortable? Yes. Is it? Am I able to sort of like stand back and and you know, 
just dissect and discuss the film um, separate from my own set of like moral inductions. Yes. Right. So yeah. Perfect. No, I, I, that's great. I hear you though. I hear you. And there's a couple of times where I think it comes real close. Yeah. Right. With some of the stuff, but to me, it's filled to the brim with Chinese culture. The whole film is Chinese culture. There's only like, it's, you know, it addresses some serious stuff. Yeah. Mythology, but it also addresses like the plight of, of, of of that culture in China and, and segregation and all that stuff. Um, Um, but there is, I mean, if anything, that in, it is a current topic now would be the sex, the trafficking <laughs> would be like, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, uh, we, you know, the sex trafficking got like, there were moments in this film where I was like, wow, this is, uh, feeling like almost a realistic depiction of, of human trafficking. Um, and, um, and, uh, but there, but there were like comical things happening in those scenes too. So, Oh no, they um, definitely gloss over. Like, yeah, they put a shine to, I mean, he goes to a parlor. I mean, he yeah. goes, like he goes, but he, he goes as a character with like goofy glasses on and, and, and talking in a goofy voice and, and stuff. And it's supposed to be funny. Well, and, um, and even, well, even references his wife. Like he talks yeah. about being married and, and still going. And, yeah. and meanwhile, Buddy's fiance is tied to a bed gagged in yep. this building. Yeah. As this is happening. Uh, Who they're going to rescue. Yeah. And, and it's disturbing when, when shit starts to hit the fan and they show like the building's falling apart and they keep cutting to her in that bed and her bed, like shaking violently and shit raining down on her and she's tied up and gagged yeah um, um some distressing imagery i thought um in that part anyway um but uh i don't know anyway well I she's mean, in danger i mean well, really, that's the reason yeah, yeah. why they're rescuing yeah, her if definitely she they, right? yeah. They, they yeah yeah for sure they show yeah. the danger yeah um this is it's a funny too so this this film is very like the way um um they talk it's very old timey like yeah. especially um dennis dune's character like robin basically <laughs> yeah right he, the way he talks is some of the the lines he uses is very old fashioned to me so like there's this even though it's 86 and i think it wears its year on its sleeve it's also because it's in chinatown so it, it makes it feel it's timeless right because yeah. it doesn't re- reference any modern day place um right. it feels very old timey um what struck me though, uh, what strikes me every time, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, like I watched this movie just like a month ago. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, it still gets me. The pace is insane in this film. Like, yeah, at, I, I checked the clock at 20 minutes in. We've we already had an airport kidnapping. We met all three storms. There's a ton of exposition yeah. and a and a fairly complex choreographed gang fight involving yep. like three different gangs. Like, yep. it's it, that's 20. That's at the 20 minute mark. We, yeah. have, we have all that stuff already it just it it doesn't let up they they take a break and go back and regroup and then they go right back to the same spot like it's mm-hmm. um it's it's incredible pacing to me and, and yeah it's not a long film it's only an hour and a half but um it, it, the pacing of this is is wild to me like it's it feels it's exhausting mm. yep okay i'll agree with the word exhausting <laughs> <laughs> um i yeah uh and i don't and i don't yeah you mean it pejoratively i don't but um i know (laughs) yeah um but i i just think i this is yeah i obviously you know i'm i'm it's i'm leaning to for sure towards rewind rewinding it i i I think it's i think it's i think it's wildly entertaining um i don't give you that yeah yeah, i can't imagine never not watching this like if it's on let's say it was on tv i would just i would watch it every time um uh i i still i think i don't know for some reason it just 
uh, I don't, there's nothing else like it. I can't, I, of course it has, there's, you know, influences and, and inspirations and, you know, it reminds me. I think us, it was it, seminal. I think it inspired a lot more things than it drew from. Yeah. Um, but like, there's just scenes that are still great to me. I love the magic potion scene. I, yeah. I, I just, I love that sequence. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, definitely don't focus on the details. Don't focus too much on the details. Yeah. Um, right. Like it, it's one of those movies, like you shouldn't have to think about it too hard. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's pulp, right? It's pure it's pulp. pulp. Yeah. Pulp is the best word. To yeah. Describe. So, you know, and pulp, so the pulp and I, novel made into Yeah. It. And I think it succeeds like granularly on that. Like, I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think it like, it, it hits that out of the park. I don't disagree. Um, yeah. And so I think because of that, to me, it's so, uh, and, and I enjoy the dialogue. I enjoyed the back and forth. Um, I just, like I said, I, I'm definitely one of these people that fell for, for, you know, Jack Burton and, uh, his, his isms and his, his, uh, corny lines. And, uh, you know, the, the, like you said, the every, every man type of stuff. Um, the truck driver, he is a truck driver. Yes. His dad was a truck. My driver. dad, that's true. Um, <laughs> nowhere near that cool, but, uh, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I uh, with and then you get and then all the you know, like I said, the Chinese mythology stuff. Yeah. Really, I really dig this movie. Yeah. All right, so Steve is a please rewind. Definitely a please rewind on Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well then, uh, I'll just get out my final thoughts then. If you're all done, yeah. Um, all right then. Um, you know what? I I don't disagree with anything you said. I think you made a lot of great great points. Um, I do, I do, I feel less affectionate for it than than you do. I, yeah. I'm not um, as stoked about rewatching it as you were. I agree about the, those first like 20, 25 minutes being like unbelievably fast paced. But then I felt like at the 47 minute mark, um, time just fucking froze for me, dude. Okay. Like, I was just like, I can't believe how fucking slow this job. This guy I know was. why exactly too. Because the, the whole movie takes place in, in two rooms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At Lopin's palace. The whole thing takes place. Like they just end up going back to the same room. We see the same room. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like, it's almost like stock footage. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but then gratefully, like for the rest of the movie after the 47 minute mark, it's all action and no, mm. more, dial- no more exposition. <laughs> no more dialogue. Right. 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 Um, so, um, it, you know, it goes by pretty, pretty quick uh, after that. Um, but, uh, uh, like things that I thought were really important about this. This was a seminal film, even though it bombed at the box office. Yeah. It really inspired a lot of things. First of all, I just remember being a kid on the schoolyard and remembering all the cool kids, the funny kids quoting this movie. Right. The lines from this movie. Right. Uh, especially lines like, uh, I know, I heard you. There's a problem with your face. I, <laughs> when, when he says that line, <laughs> um, like not only do you bust out laughing because it's fucking brilliant, um, callback and and unexpected and out of nowhere and perfect. Um, but I remember kids on the schoolyard uh like quoting that and yeah. um and it, it like it did have a cultural impact even at the time, but it went on to inspire so much stuff, like like uh the video game Double Dragon. Yeah. Uh, for instance, um, the opening of it where the where the g- gang comes along and steals your girlfriend in, in broad daylight and the, the whole movie is fighting to get her back, and, you know, against these ninja characters with these ninja weapons. Um, the, the game Mortal Kombat, obviously, Raiden was completely lifted out of this 
out of this movie. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about the three storms and like and yeah. uh, and besides like the Yeti and stuff. There's a couple of animatronics I probably would have skipped, but uh, I, I enjoyed the uh, the effects in this film. Yeah. And the stylization. Uh, yeah. When the gangs start fighting, you end up with gangs on one side shooting Tommy guns and gangs on the other side shooting gold-plated pistols. <laughs> and, and, and you really you, you get into a John Wick elevated reality type of uh, type of universe. Um, no, there's there's like, there's great martial arts in, in, uh, in this yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. And, and amazing martial arts too. Um, some of the fight choreography in the first half of the fo- film was was kind of spaghetti, but as it gets on, they kind of elevated. They added wire fighting, and they 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 they, they kind. I feel like they intentionally um, start out a little uh, sloppy and amateurish, and and elevate it throughout, so that by the by the end, um, they're doing the the big shit that that pays off the most, and it. And you feel it. You feel the progression of the action um, as the movie goes out. Um, the, the final scene um, has the, the set piece that is introduced, you know, for the third act, which is the wedding set, um, which is this giant. It's got this giant statue and everything is neon. Um, it's very fucking 80s uh, impression. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and just building that set. Uh, was probably like an amazing experience um and it was a, a you know uh quite an achievement and then they blew it up in the movie of course uh in like a classic r-rated 80s film fashion so it looks like they had a lot of fun making this film but um some of the negatives um i found um uh kim Cattrall's character of course you know it's sign of the times but uh definitely was treated uh as an object and the the way he just kind of uh, like sexually assaulted her repeatedly throughout this film and it was treated as a joke um you know uh at the time uh you know what was very normal but uh wouldn't pass today um working uh, in police academy sorry were the th- films that came yeah. up on her uh resume that people right. ma- made the people Porky's. yeah made the people and uncomfortable. police academy that's yeah. right that's so, right that's right um whew. um you know, it reminded me of the times a lot. It reminded me of movies like like Goonies and Raiders um, a lot. And and then there were lots of horror elements uh, that were yep. brought in, um, which reminded me of like horror films of the time. And and some of the special effects there got a little spaghettified um, and schlocky, but 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 they weren't too bad. Like it wasn't nothing was nothing like ruining uh, anything. Um, uh, Jack knocking himself out at the beginning of the fight at the be- uh, in the final fight uh, is hilar- a hilarious joke that uh, George R. R. Martin stole in um, Game of Thrones. Uh, Tyrion, Tyrion uh, gets knocked unconscious at the beginning of a battle. Um, <laughs> it's a hilarious moment. Um, the synth score. Uh, oh, that reminds me. Sorry, that reminds me. Yeah. Sorry, finish up and then I'll. Um, yeah. um, and, and this movie is so noisy that I noticed that every time they want to build tension for like a big fight, a big dangerous moment, it gets quiet. Right. And, and, and you notice at that point, oh, this was a really noisy movie because because I really noticed that it got quiet. Right. And, right. and it, it really works. It really works to build the tension in those scenes. Um, yeah. And you feel like you've entered like a legitimate kung fu film in those scenes. Right. You, you switched from a fun Hollywood romp into like a classic kung fu film when they mm. do that. Um, Jack Burton's monologuing was the mold for Star-Lord. Right. 
when he's in danger, he starts he starts monologuing. And there's even a scene where he's like Jack Burton, and they go, "Who?" And they go, "Me, Jack Burton. I'm Jack Burton. You never heard of me?" Um, very much like Star Lord. Um, and then of course, Kurt Russell is in. Yes, Gar- Kurt Guardians Russell too, is yeah. in Guardians. So he's his yeah. dad. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, and then at the end of the movie, Jack Burton blowing off Kim Cattrall. Are you going to yeah. kiss her goodbye? Nah. Uh, see you around, Burton. <laughs> see you around, Burton. Leave her wanting more, Jerry. Never heard of that. The line, the line. See you around, Burton. Yeah, never can tell. Yeah, she's uh, great writing. Her. Great writing. Yeah, and, and 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 that that's the kind of moment where it is, um, on the level of a Clint Eastwood or um, or Nicholson could have would have done that scene well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but still, uh, like a lot of stuff in the movie, like him getting knocked out at the beginning of that fight scene, uh, like yeah. that's that's Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I heard there's a problem with your face. That's Kurt Russell. <laughs> um, yeah. And, well, there's the great line too. He's like, it it it's because you're crazy. Is that it? Like it's yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of tons. This he's no, he's a walking you know quip machine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but I felt like it, I felt like still there were a little a lot of long slow parts and in, in, in between a lot of a lot of like really serious dialogue-y, you know and talking about the mythology and the stuff that that you really enjoyed those parts slowed it down for me um okay there's and- see that's yeah there's a great scene between him and wang where wang is explaining to him the historical historical significance of what's happening yeah this long- and that's the that's the part where jack is like he, he, you can see where he decides to he's just gonna table take a, a leap of faith He's seen enough too at that point to understand there's some weird shit going on. But yeah, you know, he but, but that whole thing where Wang delivers the gives him the history lesson there. And, and then he's like the line, he's like, no bullshit. And he's like, no bullshit. Like it's yeah. I thought that was a really that's I thought that sure. was a great moment sure. between those two. Um, especially because you know, Wang turns into the much more capable <laughs> sidekick. It's yeah. it, it's like Green Hornet, right? It's yeah. he's he's you know, uh, without him, uh, they'd be in big trouble in little China. <laughs> Um, big trouble so there's the music again yes john carpenter did all the music for this film right wrote that wrote it right um wrote the lyrics to that song he was nominated he got nominated for it like he like yeah so that was sort of like how david bowie did all the music for the first film he's in the carpenter did all the music for this carpenter did a lot of he's a music guy actually there's he he scored a lot of things but yeah he did all the music for this film and and wrote the lyrics to that song and all that stuff he's uh score stands out yeah he he was all he was all over this film um which is it must have been even more devastating for him when it didn't connect with people but it did connect later on um, and that's something I want to tackle down the road is uh, why films maybe don't succeed at the time of the release, become cult films, uh, you know, on re-release and with successive generations. And that's something I think it's worth digging into because sure. there's a lot there's a lot of factors. It's not always just because it was ahead of its time. There's bad time uh, calendar issues, but it's always reasons, but something to tackle, sure. something to tackle down the road. But all anyway, right, so you are I'm good to wrap up. Um, yeah, I look, I, I I'm on the fence again. Like uh, wow. both these movies, I felt like I was on the fence this week. Um, you know, first episode, I was I was strong uh, for both of the films. Yeah. This one, um, I was I was I was I was fencing on, on both of these. Um, and this one, I think I felt like on the on the side of I don't really want to rewatch this uh, again. Yeah. Um, it, I I do I do see its value. I do see its appeal. I do see you know all of the great things. Um, the watershed moment that it was. Um. But, I think this uh, is a cut. This is a comfort viewing movie for me. I think this is like yep. put it on, go to bed. Yep. I think that's that's uh, yeah, the level. Sure. Yeah, that's the way, kind the way of, labyrinth is for Mel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. There you I go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah but uh but but not for me and i don't dislike it but i don't but i feel like i'm good with it um yeah. and uh and it's it, it deserves a place in history um but i think it, it might belong in history as well um so that's where i am on that because... like chinese like chinese history jerry no. is that what you mean uh, belongs no, in no, no, I'm just no. Joking. no but some elements <laughs> but some elements of mythology no. may 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 you know you know we're not mythology guys from our own culture you know we do yeah. our own mythology uh yeah yeah in history yeah. right so um, um no no that's cool no i get it um like i said to me it's like this when i really sort of think about this yeah i remember the first time it dawned on me i'm like this is year one this is batman year one like yeah. that was like i just thought yeah. oh that's i'm like okay it definitely yeah. ends like leading you to more adventure um and yeah. it, it, set, it sets it up yeah to be a to be a franchise to be a series like any good good pulp novel would um right right um uh it, it, yeah it's too bad we didn't get to see an, another swing at this but um you know what i wanted to say that um you know, it does remind me of other films. I feel like it, there there was kind of a genre. You know, I I, I it reminded me of The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. Um, it reminded me of of Remo Williams. Um, uh, in some um, ways, I love Remo Williams. Um, yeah, me too. me too. So, anyways, quick 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 point with that. Actually, this was rushed into one of the problems with this. It was rushed into production to get out ahead of The Golden Child. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yep. they wanted Very to make sure it came out before Golden Child. So this was well, rushing. It, it was rushing the production for that um, reason. Um, and to tell you the truth, I might enjoy. I haven't rewatched Golden Child in a while. Maybe somebody will suggest that. But I feel like maybe I would. I would enjoy that a little more. I haven't seen Golden Child in oh god forever. Yeah, like, me neither. A long time since this came out. Yeah, yeah. That like, like I, which means I didn't like it, or I just and just, I know just I, too I many know movies. I love maybe. Remo Williams. I know that I would. I feel like I. It's probably not as good as we remember it, but I do feel like it's going to be like a lot of that stuff from that from like Jim Cotta and yeah, <laughs> like, Jim Cotta. Um, uh, the Ninja. I sat, you know, uh, uh, they were just called Ninja. What were they called? Like they made like a uh, Ninja movies. American Ninja. American Ninja. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like all that stuff. I'm sure. Like Delta Force. Return of the Ninja. Yeah, lots of Ninja movies. And then Delta Force, and and like the you know like a lot of that stuff. I'm sure is 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 different than it is now. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So anyway, um, there we go. We re- reviewed two more movies. Uh, we've got episode two uh, pretty much uh, nailed down. Steve, is there anything else you want to? I think I think now. next for the next one we'll do um you were you were looking for some comedies there on the board the other day so I yeah, think maybe yeah. we'll do we'll do a comedy one next poll sounds good um will be a uh, will be all comedy films and we'll see what people looking, come up looking with forward to that looking yeah forward. there's a lot um so many to choose from so it'll be interesting just to try and narrow it down to six to for people to poll on but um mm-hmm. um they all look pretty good the ones just quickly looking at them there's a you know, few I don't like but most of them I tend to like. You're right, though. It's comedy is a it's a dead yeah. genre. It is. I mean, God. I feel like the funniest movie the last ten years is like Deadpool two. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, I just feel you like, might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I just don't. You're right. It's not a thing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it died. It does. Like Judd Apatow was the last de- defender of that 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 yeah. thing, right? And and it, he and he started stopped being funny. Yeah, well, I think just he just too much too much in a short amount of time. I mean, it felt like he had sure. ten movies a year at one, but he I mean he didn't he didn't yeah, right. obviously, but it just you're felt right. like that. But then, but that's because he was the only one doing it. So yep. I don't know. There's, I mean, I guess the Twenty One Jump Streets, but yeah, you're it's just few and far between. It feels like. Yeah. Anyways. Cool. Well, 
Uh, anything else you want to talk about then before we before we wrap up episode two? Um, other than make sure people go see Barbie and Oppenheimer. That's about go, it. go see Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, There's a funny comedian the other day. He was talking. He's like, he's like Barbie, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, Barbie. He's like, that's the big question in North America. Like, what are you going to see? He's like, meanwhile in Japan, they're like Barbie. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> uh, that's fucking funny. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, um crazy box office records Greta Gerwig, it's awesome that the can, box office isn't yeah. really dead right like maybe it's just the mcu and dc maybe it's just comic book movies that are dead maybe it's just stuff that we're really used to is dead maybe if people make original mission impossible didn't do well i mean there's there's yeah. a lot of uh franchises are, yeah they're just tired of it and franchise maybe. fatigue the um both are extremely impressive but for kind of different reasons oppenheimer's impressive because uh, it's three hours long. So most most theaters are only going to play it three times a day. Yep. Um, so limited runs. It had less per screen average. If you dig into the numbers, that 82 million is, is a fucking monster number considering the number of screens. It played on less screens, less show times. Right. Um, now it, it did it at IMAX going for it. But um, yeah, that's an impressive number. Uh, and, but Barbie's numbers are insane. Like, I mean, I and like we talked about this. I can't wait to see what Gerwig does next because, oh, like, sure. she she can write her own ticket now. And I can just imagine the Hollywood slime fucking circling her right now. She's gonna make um, the next Star Wars movie. Watch. Well, is, is she gonna pull a Patty Jenkins? Is she like what you know? Like what? It, you know, it'll be interesting to see what 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 she does with it. You know, because she's such yeah. a hardcore indie, you know, creative artsy person and and director. Uh-huh. You know, like it's gonna be interesting to see. And Margot Robbie, who produced this film, I mean, congratulations uh-huh. to her too. Again, another, she's gonna like whatever they want, whatever yep. they want, and it'll be. And these decisions, of course, are always made ahead of time. So. Well, um, Gerwig already has something lined up, I'm sure, and so does Robbie. But uh, it, it'll Good be it'll we'll be fun. It'll office. be fun to see. Uh, but their number and they're already they're saying probably this weekend they're probably going to have another hundred million. Like the drop's Amazing. not going to be that big. So um, I've seen both. They're both great, obviously for different reasons. So I have yet to, and uh, that's only because I have no time. At yeah. All, no. Well, that's tough. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, go to the movies. That's my final thought. Okay, so I just want to ask people to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and um, and and review us, and uh, you know, comment on there. Uh, you know, the more activity we see on there, the better that is for us. And we want to have a conversation with you too. So, um, you know, uh, reach out, let us know what you think, um, good or bad. Uh, we want to hear from you. Um, and uh, also, while I'm at it, I want to give a quick plug to my other podcast, uh, Tool for this podcast. You could find it uh, on on Spotify and Apple, and uh, and uh, it's spelled uh, with a two and a four, the way a '90s rapper spells it, because that's what I am. Um, and that's where that's where I talk about new movies and TV shows. Um, and uh, we have a lot of fun over there. Um, and Steve, is there anything else uh, you want to get in before we say goodbye? Nope. All right, then. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Please Rewind. Come back again. Uh, uh, join us on our on our Facebook group. And, uh, and we'll